Thank you for joining On The Range Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, sign up for notifications on all the shows, whether it's video or audio. Also, be sure to swing by warhog.com, kellydefense.com, check out our training calendars, industry partners, and sign up for the OTR crew membership. You get two free weeks, give it a free trial. So go to the websites and become a member of the OTR crew today. On the Range Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the show, wherever you are. Thank you for making us part of your day. Do us a favor, like, subscribe, follow, hit those notifications. I am Mark Kelly. As always, I am joined by my co-host and friend, Rick Hogg. How's it going, pal? Man, it is going great, Mark. That new intro, guten Abend, Mark. Uh, fantastic, <laughs> man. Love it. Uh, hey, to the viewers, listeners out there, thank you for giving us your most precious commodity, your time to tune in. Um, we're going to do a slight shift here as far as on the range goes. We're going to start up a new kind of series, uh, focusing on officer survival and stories of those survival and, and the heroic things that our law enforcement officers are doing out there. With that being said, this episode of on the range podcast is dedicated to Sergeant Brandon Powdert and officer Bill Evans with West Memphis, uh, police department. Uh, they were killed in the line of duty, so their end to watch was May 20th, 2010, and our fantastic guest is going to get more into that um, later on here in a little bit, but let's do some quick housekeeping. Uh, don't forget, guys, swing by warhog.com, kellydefense.com, sign up for those newsletters. Trust me, we will not inundate you. For those of you that are not tracking, uh, Instagram deactivated the Warhog Tactical page. Uh, we're trying to get that back, but we'll see what happens, so... Don't trust big tech. Go right to our site. Sign up for those newsletters. Uh, don't forget, become a member of our Patreon uh, Patreon crew at patreon.com forward slash on the range podcast. And as always, I think this episode of on the range podcast is brought to you by the firearm training notebook. Yeah, man. 1% better every day. I know Rick you know just it. released a new video for aim point spot on. Got the eval in there and it's got the notebook yep. all over it. Plus your DVD's got the notebook all over it. So go check that yeah. out as well with Pantheon. And use code, great, use great code, job, uh, uh, thank, thanks brother. Use code Warhog5, saving digital 5% over there at Aimpoint. So yeah, buddy. So go ahead and introduce our guest, man. Yeah, man. I am super stoked for today's guest. So my friend, uh, Sheriff Mike Neal. Um, so man, I'm probably going to butcher all of Mike's stuff, but here's the biggest thing. Uh, Mike is the Congressional Medal of Valor recipient for his actions at uh, West Memphis, Arkansas in 2010. We're going to let him deep dive into it. Uh, besides being an entrepreneur, being a firefighter, being a law enforcement officer, he is just a solid overall dude. So Mike, welcome to the podcast and uh, thanks for your service, brother. Yes, sir. Thank yeah, you all for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So just a, give us a quick rundown, a little bit about Mike, um, and then we'll deep dive into West Memphis just for the uh, viewers, listeners out there. Man, I'm just a redneck kid from Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> some of your some of your uh, your people might need a translator. Uh, Larry, the cable guy, couldn't be here to help translate. It. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, 25 years now in law, enfor law enforcement, which is hard to believe. Uh, didn't realize I'd, I'd live this longer. I took better care of myself. But uh yeah, 25 years in, uh, 
I've been in five shootings. Uh, unfortunately, I've had to take three lives in the, in the line of duty, which is, is, is a struggle day to day for for a lot of us to to cope with. Um, spent 11 years on the fire department. Uh, good training there. I retired as a captain when I went to work for the Arkansas Game and Fish in 2007. Spent seven years as game warden, which was an absolutely cool job. Probably one of the funnest things I've ever done was be a game warden. Uh, and then uh, somebody told me to run for sheriff, said, man, that'd be real cool if you ran for sheriff. And I'd like to remember who that is. I'd kick him in the dick. <laughs> this sucks. But uh, I won and been sheriff for nine years now. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Rick got a wow. little sample of it the other day when he was down. He got the oh, yeah. So. Yeah. But, but you're also an entrepreneur as well, correct? I am. Yes. Yeah. So I, you know, uh, I grew up in the funeral business, so we have seven funeral homes. Uh, I have my own trucking company. I have my own training company, which is NNF training solutions. Uh, you can go to that at nftraining.org. We do a lot of vehicle training, vehicle ambush. Uh, all five of my shootings I was in was in and around my vehicle. So uh, I guess after you live through one or two of those, they make you an expert somehow. I don't know if I'm that, but uh, uh, if you want to learn how to shoot down the hallway, I'll get one of my instructors to teach you that because I don't know shit about that, but I can I can definitely shoot a car up pretty good. Yeah, so but if you ever need any uh, tactical training in your vehicle, let me know. We can definitely hook you up with that. And I'm also no, part of uh, an armor company where we do bulletproof windshields and doors for for police cars, it's true armor, clear armor. Um, also do your house, your business, bank, schools, whatever. And mm -hmm. the best thing about their armor, which is phenomenal uh, for your house or your school, is an intruder's coming up to your window and he's trying to shoot into your window. You can return fire from the inside and and hit the intruder outside, but they can't mm -hmm. shoot, which is super cool. But yeah, yeah everybody needs that. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, especially our schools nowadays, right? I mean, oh, that, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, well, how do we keep school should have this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like how do we keep our kids safe, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, we're looking at the armed solution, and that is a way, but we're not hardening up our schools at all. Mm -hmm. You know, you you look at Nashville. Basically, the shooter just shot the glass out and walked right in, walked right? right in. Yeah. Just walked I'm, right in. So that was a, that was unbelievable. Yeah, but if we can sit there and harden these schools up. You know, so clear armor is your your choice when it comes to all your uh, residential, you know, building type glass. And then true armors, you know, for the armored side, you know, the vehicle stuff, which we're trying to push towards the law enforcement side. Again, educating these guys on what's going on. But I wanted to hit a key point and I've got you guys here, you know, Mark's obviously a, a LEO as well. You brought up an interesting point, you know, the the shooting struggles. Right. And this is one thing that I try to instill in my students right from the get-go. Shooting's an unemotional event, right? If we've kind of made the conscious effort that we're getting to that line of work, we're carrying a firearm for a living, we're in a job that would potentially kill us, I don't care whether you're out, you know, shooting people or paper, it's a it's an unemotional event. And I think it's built on the flat range to start getting guys in the mentality. You're around citizens, people, you know, all the time, you interact with them all the time, but it's ultimately their choice, right? It's It's, they do some type of action that warrants deadly force, and you just deal with that with what it needs to be done. And I think the more we can just, you know, help out our LEOs and just give them that little tid tidbit of information just to help them along, um, 
you know, granted, everyone's going to deal with taking another human being's life different, but I think it starts there. And I think we just start ingraining in there that, you know, it, look, say, you know, however you want to look at it, it it's an unemotional event. It's nothing, you know, it's nothing personal, man. They opted, you know, to do something harm towards me, uh, my partner, my citizens, and you just do what you've got to do uh, in order to come home at night. So it's just kind of my two cents on that one. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, we'll get into mine in a little bit, and I'll, I'll talk more about the struggles that I had with mine and why I had the struggles I had. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it it's uh, something you definitely have to get out of your head and uh, get it out, talk about it. You know, it's it's okay not to be okay. Uh, but at some point, you got to put pull your bootstraps up and get back to work and uh, learn to cope with a new reality is what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. Mark, you got yeah. anything on and that? And, you button? know, there – yeah, there, there's a piece about that that um, I think concerns Rick and I um, at least better than half. It's that mental block prior to the event so that they are they're not having that second hesitation, first hesitation, any hesitation whatsoever to defend themselves or defend wow. others. Yeah, that mental block is is real and it can happen if that's at the forefront of your head. And like Rick said, you, you've made the decision to go in this kind of work. It could cost you your life. It could cost your partner's life, your canine partner or an innocent person. Um, so that's another piece of it, too. That unemotional side of it is is something that will keep that from happening. You know, that slight the, the, the biggest thing that you have against you in all those situations is time. There's, it happens so quickly. So just remember that when you're on the range and you're training that you don't want that to be an issue for you. Well, and today's That's all I got on that, Rick. Yeah. We, we've been in, we get in trouble for everything we do. And, you know, everybody has, you know, forever to critique what we have to do in milliseconds, decisions that we have to make. And that's where a lot of guys get in their heads. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, am I going to get fired for this? Or am I going to go to jail? And, you know, officers are being killed because of this, you know, and we didn't get up that morning going out, Hey, let's go see who we're going to shoot today. That's horse crap. If you're doing that and you're in this line of work, you need to get out. Right. Because uh, that's that's not right. That's not healthy. Uh, but like you said, they picked their spot, unfortunately. Uh, they made their decisions, and you can't let that affect your day-to-day uh, mentality. Yeah. No. And those, but, those dramas and, and, are real, like you said. No. You know, the, the, those the number of officers real. that I, the, the number of officers I've talked to around the country that, you know, whenever they go, well, you know, I should have. Well, why didn't you? Right. And really, when you start digging, why didn't they? I was afraid of losing the house. I was afraid of losing my job, being sued, you know, some other crap. I mean, that is not the place to be at. Because you look at these guys and, you know, these guys are trying to do the right things. Right. And at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, look at, hey, and that was horribly wrong. It all boils down to training. Yeah. Did you train? Did you train that officer? For that type of situation, how much emphasis did I tell a lot of guys? I'm like, look, you know, this is when this happens to you, and it's not a matter of if it's when is this going to happen to you because it's coming. You're going to do one of two things you either rise to your level of training or you're fall to your level of training, and then that that's your that's on you. You know, you got to make sure that you have that level of training that you need to do because when the when the shit hits a fan, that it doesn't need to be a thought process. It needs to be a, the appropriate reaction to the situation, appropriate training reaction. Uh, so you don't need to be thinking about anything. You need to be reverting back to your training immediately, getting the job done and going home. 
Yeah. And and that was the driving factor between us doing the firearm training notebook because whenever we train our law enforcement students, these guys had no idea. Draw the first shot, seven meters, A zone hit. What's your time? No idea. So how do you ever get better? How do you get some type of improvement or just doing having a dry fire regiment? And guys have to understand, unfortunately, you've got to put added time in. You've got to put that dry fire training in. You've got to put that physical fitness in. You've got to train your hands. I mean, you've got to be well-rounded because you don't know who the next fight is going to be. And the last thing you want to do is figure that stuff out when you're the lone officer going, man, things aren't looking good. So, Well, that's, that's another thing. I tell the guys, I'm like, look, you know, your high school football team, they practice all week. They, too, they watch film. They do training. They prepare for the, their enemy, you know, at 7 o'clock on Friday night because they know what time they're going to play. College, you know, it's noon on Saturday. NFL, it's noon on Sunday. MMA, think about those guys. You know, they train six, eight months to a year or more watching film on a guy that they're going to go fight. Law enforcement, mm-hmm. we don't have that. You know, you don't know from the next second when your fight's going to happen. So you have to be ready and head on a swivel and ready to do what you got to do in a minute's notice or seconds notice, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, you know, I want to kind of jump in, um, you know, to May 2010, you know, the whole West Memphis uh, shooting out there. And and I'll probably butcher laying a little bit of the groundwork, but long story short, if I understand correctly, uh, Brennan and Bill were, were out doing kind of their patrols, pulled over a uh, suspicious van. They were uh, citizens. So people don't know what sovereign citizens are. Basically, they don't um, recognize the U.S. government or U.S. government rules. And long story short, altercation happened. And I believe it was the 16-year-old son that shot them both. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. There was a It was a drug interdiction team is what it was. And they were out doing patrols. So Bill Evans is the one that initially stopped the van. Uh, we really don't know what his initial stop was, something to do with the tags on the van. Uh, but he's pulled the van over, was talking to the guy, Sergeant Powder, knew Bill had been out for a long time, and he responds to uh, Bill just to check on him. Uh, he was never called. There was no radio transmission calling him to the, to the scene. And they were out for a few minutes when the scene started getting heated and that's when the kid, if you go back and watch it, you can watch it on YouTube. The kid uh, crawls over the back seat from, from inside the van. He crawls over into the front seat passenger and he opens the door and looks out and makes eye contact with his dad. So this was all trained. They had been out in Arizona doing this kind of training. So when he waits, he waits on his dad after he makes eye contact with him, his dad spins around, gets in a fight with Bill Evans, throws him to the ground that's when the boy comes out firing. But you think about the mindset of this kid. He's 16 years old. He's going to come out and advance on target. He will run. He will circle while shooting, play, placing rounds on target. Uh, he's advancing on two law enforcement officers that are armed. And his dad's in mm-hmm. the middle of it. So this kid had the mindset. Uh, but he comes out, he shoots Bill Evans first. And then he starts shooting Sergeant Powder. Sergeant Powder runs all the way to the back of the second patrol car around to the driver's side where he pulls his weapon and starts returning fire, but he's already pretty much mortally injured at this point. Uh, He gets off uh, about seven, eight rounds from his Glock 22 
when the kid advances on him, fires a couple rounds through the car, striking him, knocking him down, and then the boy advances and executes him, shoots him three rounds to the head. So before leaving, he gets back in the van and uh, hangs a AR or the AK-47 out the window and fires four more rounds into Bill Evans in the ditch, and they just drive off. So it was pretty, pretty graphic, pretty brutal scene. Yeah, and and they got no radio call out, if I remember correctly. No. I think it was uh, some citizens came across. Yeah, there was uh, a FedEx truck driver pulled up, called nine one one. Yeah, and, and that's then a pretty horrific call. Oh hell yeah! And and then what was it? A couple hours later, when they got um, ID'd in the uh, the Walmart parking lot. About ninety minutes, about an hour and a half. Uh, okay. When they they called out that the suspects were in the Walmart parking lot. So the way my day started, and I, t- I tell everybody how a game warden works. I, I, I don't know if y'all know how a game <laughs> works, but uh, they, uh, it's kind of like uh, old rednecks. You know, it's just they issue a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and it's kind of like a Hank Williams song, you know. <laughs> and you're, you're supposed to know when to get out and work and find the poachers and everything. So uh-huh. we don't have a set schedule, or they don't, they don't have a set schedule. They're not uh, eight to five guys. Uh, only thing said is you're off on Mondays and Tuesdays or you're off Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You know, they set your days mm-hmm. off and that's it. You have 80 hours every two weeks to turn in. They don't care where you get it. You just get out there and make the cases. So that's how we worked. Mm-hmm. And the night before May 20th, that had been May 19th, 2010, uh, I'd work security all night, you know, making a little extra money. And I got I had a wife at the time, I had three girls, she, you know, I was trying to make ends meet. So I'd been up all night working security and I got home, went to bed. Um, I was Mr. Mom. So I got up and got the kids ready every morning. That morning I was tired. Uh, the kids were running around screaming and hollering. And uh, I have a name for my kids and they're outgrown now, but uh, I named my kids Mitches. I don't know if you know what a Mitch is, but that's a mini bitch. They're little, little bitches and trying to what they are. So, and they know this, but that morning, little Mitches were running around screaming and hollering. There wasn't no sleeping going on. So I made the decision I'd go ahead and get up and go to work. Um, that day, I, I was tired. I thought, I'm going to make this an administrative day. That was code for I wasn't going to do anything. I was going to go by the sheriff's department and check on paperwork and ride around the air conditioner. You know, uh, it didn't work out that well, but I got up. I didn't put my vest on. I got up and I put my gun and my badge on. I went to war without a vest because I didn't need a vest because it was hot that day and nothing happens on a pretty May day like that, right? Well, it does. So I went to work. My dad was out setting up for a little country funeral. And I stopped and pulled in and talked to him. And I got out of the truck. And when I went back to the truck, game wardens, we cover so much ground. So I had communication with seven different counties. So when I got back in that truck, every radio in it was talking. I was like, holy crap, what is going on? Why are all my radios talking? So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. There were SWAT teams checking around, investigators. And I was going, what, what is happening? So I was trying to decipher it, and I picked up phone. I called my buddy, Philip Hydron. He's Arkansas State Police SWAT at the time, CID. And when he answered the phone, the siren's running in the background. And I was kind of razzing him, you know. And I was like, what are you, late for coffee? You got your siren running? You know, and he's like, no, man, it's a, it's a bad deal. We got two cops down in West Memphis shot with AK-47s. Now, I don't know if uh, 
how much you know about the Bible. But when Jesus speaks in the Bible, it's written in red, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when a, a trooper speaks, did you know it comes out written in red? I mean, if you don't believe me, ask them. They'll tell you. They're, they're God, right? Anything they say is gospel. So he tells me that they were shot with AK-47s. That was a joke, by the way. Everybody can laugh. Don't don't get your panties in a block. But <laughs> I like troopers. I always want to be one. But anyway, I want to wear the hat. That's what it was. But anyway, so I'm like a squirrel, man. My brain just sits here and runs. But I see something shiny, I get excited. But he tells me they're shot with AK-47s. And then he goes on to tell me it was a possible MS-13 hit on the drug interdiction team. So this is what I take as gospel. This is what it is. This is what we're looking for, right? That's pretty much the description that I had going into this. I didn't have much information. So I pulled over on the side of the interstate or the side of the highway. And I got out of my truck and I started preparing myself at that point. I was getting ready. I reached in the back and I had one of those old expired vests and the zip up, you know, one of those old throw over covers. I threw it on, zipped it up, no plates, nothing. It was just soft body armor. And I reached up in the, in the rack and I grabbed my rifle down and I hung it here. I slung it, hung it on my neck and I got back in my truck and I started driving. And the whole time I'm driving, I got my left hand on the wheel, real redneck, you know, left hand up here, my right hand on my rifle. And I'm preparing myself as I'm driving over. I was about an hour out. Should have, should have. I don't work for the Game and Fish anymore. I should have been an hour out. What they didn't know is I'd souped up my Game and Fish truck and it'd run about 140. So <laughs> I made the phone calls. You know, everything worked out really good for me that day. I made the phone call to my sergeant and got clearance. I was like, hey, I know what's going on in West Memphis. And I, I kind of told a little bit of a white lies, kind of grayish. I said, uh, hey, I'm pretty close can I come help? Well, I was game warden close. I don't know if you know what that means, but there's not very many game wardens and they're spread out everywhere. I was nowhere near West Memphis. And he was like, yeah, get up here quick. We need some help. And I was like, green light. Here we go. So I fired old Chevy up and I'm rolling. Like I am passing troopers. I'm passing deputies and everybody's like, you know, everybody's like, where's game warden going? You know, cause nobody makes fun of game wardens, right? Yeah, nobody right, called right. Awesome <laughs> or or park rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> nobody makes fun. Of, you know, they used to call me up and be like, "Hey, Neil, we need some help." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, I was a deputy for nine years before being a game warden. Like, yeah, what do you need? Like, man, we got a crime scene. We got taped off. We need some help out there. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What's going on? I'm like, we got dead three three dead possums out here. Can you come help us? That's good. West Memphis. I mean, hauling ass. And I'm flying. I'm going through my head. What? How, how are we going to handle this? What are we going to do? Uh, and then I called. I was married at the time. I called the wife. I said, hey, look here. I said, shots fired. Officers down. Uh, shot with AK-47s. I'm on my way over there. Uh, possible MS-13, you know, hit. It's, it's not good. She's like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, all right. Well, that's fine. Do you have your vest on? And I'm like, yeah. I said, but it don't matter what they're shooting is going to go through it. She's like, oh, okay. All right. Well, have fun. See you later. <laughs> we'll figure out why she's an ex-wife too. So <laughs> we'll get to that. But she's over there counting dollar bills. Well, if he gets killed with his vest on, he gets more money. And I'll, yeah, that's what was going on in her mind. So <laughs> I'm what if in this whole situation rolling over there. And man, I am flying. 
Well, I reckon a game and fish truck at 140 burns a lot of fuel. So as soon as I pulled into West Memphis, guess what? Ding, 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 ding. I was like, what is that? I didn't blow the motor. What happened? You know, look down. I'm almost out of gas. I was like, oh, come on. Now I got to get gas. Yeah, I want to go get in a fight. You know, I don't, don't want to go get gas. You know, I'm already a game warden. I don't want to get in a pursuit and a run out of gas in a pursuit and get made right. from in the trooper. Oh, dude, you'd never yeah. live that down now. Yeah, I can't get in a trooper car because both of us can't fit in there with those hats they wear. So, <laughs> so I slide into the gas station. I jump out, you know, trying to hurry up and gas my truck up, my rifle swinging around. <laughs> And I look around and everybody's gassing their car like this. They're they're hiding, you know, like what's wrong with the game warden? He's got one of those big scary guns. He's gone crazy. And I was wondering why everybody was hiding. I didn't think anything about it. I thought I just intimidated them or something. But what I didn't realize is where I'd stopped. And God has a way of getting control of you or slapping you in the face if you're not paying attention. And if you ever have, if you've never had this experience, I hope you don't because it's not fun. Uh, this was one of those moments, like I told you, I'm like, like a squirrel, you know, my brain's running so fast. I'm trying to do everything. And this is one of those moments that he had to grab me and say, pay attention, stupid. You know, this is, this is real. Well, I'd stopped at the horizon shell station at the 177 mile marker or 277 mile marker, a hundred yards behind that gas station laid officer Evans mm. and officer Powell. I had no idea. And I actually took a picture of it. And in my slideshow and my presentations that I talk about this, I show all this. I show that crime scene that I took the picture of. It was a humbling moment, but I needed it. It was one of those moments of, hey, get your stuff together. Get your head screwed on right. You know, God was saying, I need you. You know, so <laughs> I get back in that truck and I, I, I'm starting to get my head right. And I drive over the interstate because I want to look at the crime scene. I'm nosy like that. And I was looking at the crimes and it made me so mad. And I turned around and I come back across because the overpass was right there at the exit ramp where they were murdered. And I looked at the crime scene again. I remember I had my hand on that rifle and I thought, how are we going to fix this? Because as cops, that's what we do. We're fixers. You know, we're going to make this right somehow. How do we get this fixed? And I turned on that service road and I started driving. And Interstate 40, I don't know if you've ever been on it. I-40, you, Rick, I know you have. You just drove mm -hmm. on it. I-40 in between Memphis and Little Rock is the worst mm -hmm. stretch of interstate in the country. It is horrible. Uh, they had shut down all the bridges to Memphis. I-55 mm -hmm. South Jackson, I-40 over to Nashville shut down. I-55 North to uh, St. Louis, all that interchanges in West Memphis. They'd shut it all down. So traffic was backed up for years. It was horrible. So as I'm driving, I'm looking at all this traffic as I'm driving by, and they'd given the description of a white van. That's all we knew. And then they come out and they said, it's a white van and it has the house of God in prayer written on the side of it. So when they tell you that, what do you start visualizing in your mind right now? What do you, what kind of van do you have in your mind? Like some so type of church van. A bunch of windows. Yeah. Van. Big Ford van, big Chevy van. Yep. Right. That, that's that's what you're visualizing. Right. What we were looking for was a dirty Dodge Caravan, a little piece of shit mm. van it is not what, what we thought we were looking for. Nobody would have paid any attention to this. And if you go back and watch video footage of Walmart, a deputy drives right by it. 
it's parked in the Walmart parking lot. He never sees it. Why? It's not what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. In the 911 call, it even the dispatcher even asks the caller in the Walmart parking lot, well, what do you see? And he says, well, he's covering his windows up with the living room full and all this kind of stuff. And she said, well, what does he look like? And he says, well, he, he could be Mexican or Arab. He was neither one. He was a white guy. Mm-hmm. Well, she honed in on that. Arab. She thought it was Arab. It's an Arab. So she gets on the radio and said he's dark, you know, dark pants, white shirt. He's in the Walmart parking park, Arab guy. I mean, she started to put all this information out. So I didn't know this by now. You know, we were looking for a, a white minivan and now it's gone to a white minivan. That's a church van that is stolen, that is occupied by the MS-13. Now the Taliban gang has got in it. So this, you know, it's kind of like in kindergarten when you told a secret over here. And by the time it got all the way over there, total different secret, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing we were having in communication. That is the major breakdown in any kind of mass incident is the breakdown of communication. And that's what we were facing. We didn't know what we were looking for. So as I'm driving on this service road, a call comes over the radio and she says, I need available units to respond to 798 West Service Road, Walmart. Subjects are spotted in row 12. I used to hear it in my sleep. That's something that I've never forgotten. I can still her, hear her saying it over the radio. And about that time, I looked up and guess where I was? Walmart. I'm driving right by. It. I pass an unmarked unit that goes by. That unit had the sheriff and the chief deputy in it. So they pull in on the east side of Walmart. I've already missed that entrance. So I go down and pull in on the west side. So as I'm turning, going south into the Walmart parking lot, and I start to turn to the east, they're turning to the west. So we're kind of coming at each other head on. And a minivan pulls out in front of us. And they make a head-on traffic stop with this minivan. And that's where they're shot immediately. Both the sheriff and the chief deputy are shot in their vehicle. Sheriff Busby takes one round through the shoulder. W.A. Wren takes three or four rounds of AK-47 to the abdomen. Neither one of them wearing a vest. So they're gunned down immediately, and that's what I see. So as I'm driving into this parking lot, I see them get gunned down. Um, I'd roll down my windows. I could hear the gunfire. So I knew what was up. I knew what was going on. In my mind, they just killed two more officers in front of me. They killed two this morning. It was time to go to work. It was time to put up my training into acting. The Game and Fish had taught us to shoot through our windshields in the academy. So I knew shooting through the windshield would work. Uh, my viewpoint as I'm driving was the back of the minivan. There is one occupant stepped out of the van. He's shooting in between the door and the A post onto these officers. And all I could think was roll up and light him up through the windshield. I don't have time to get stopped. I don't have time to get out. I'm just going to, I'm going to bust him through the windshield. I know this will work. I've done this. So as I'm approaching, I'm pulling my rifle up, punching it up to the windshield and I'm still driving with my left hand. I do not have a seatbelt on and I'm making my approach. State police estimates speeds at about 55 miles an hour. Uh, The suspect I guess he hears me. I thought I was doing a sneak attack. I wasn't sneaky as I thought I was. Um, he hears me. You'll see him. He looks back, gets back in the van, shuts the door, starts backing up. 
I don't feel like he was running. I feel like he was trying to get squared up with me is what he was trying to do. Uh, but he didn't realize he'd run across a redneck from Arkansas that's always wanted to be in the demolition derby. I like to ram people because the shit works. So when he got back in that van, started backing up, I thought, Mm-mm, no, you're not getting out of here like that. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. I was a linebacker in football, and if I hit you harder, it didn't hurt me as bad. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the fight to you. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. So as he was backing up, he turns that van at the last second. And I remember thinking, <laughs> I got you now, you know, because the night before I'd worked security all night. So all night long, I watched training videos. I'd watch Bad Boys 1, Bad Boys 2. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. And I'm going to tell you what, Hollywood lied to you because I thought I'm going to hit that van and you're going to roll over and blow up, right? That's what Michael Bay movies are. Mm-hmm. that van at 55 miles an hour and it did not roll over and it did not blow up and i'm gonna tell you something they were immediately on the guns as soon as i hit him i hit him in the little cool passenger sliding door you know right behind the driver uh, my push bumper was touching his seat my airbag didn't deploy thank god you'd be having a different podcast today if if that would have happened um didn't have a seat belt on i busted up my elbow left elbow holding on to the steering wheel my body hit the steering wheel broke it which shifted me to the right into the radio air conditioner control area about central of the truck is where i was when i looked up i'm still holding my rifle how i don't know uh i have a guardian angel is all i can say and my guardian angel is pretty good because as soon as he turned what I thought was an RPG, I mean, I'm looking down the business end of an angry eye weapon. I didn't like it, I can tell you that. It was a uh, Taurus judge we know now. He pointed the Taurus judge at me, and that's where I fired my first two rounds. And the first two rounds struck him here and here. So I knew immediately that that threat was over. Also knew that I had encountered the MS-13 Taliban gang in a, in a van, and I didn't know how many was in there. And I started taking shrapnel and glass to the face immediately. The passenger has pivoted in his seat and is firing over his left shoulder. So it's coming across my body is what it's doing. So all of his rounds were going into my doorpost beside my head, my headrest where I was sitting, my seat, Everywhere around me was blowing up is what it was inside this truck. I'm, I'm pinned in it. And all I could think is to return fire. Auditory exclusion is a real thing. I never heard his rounds. I never heard his gun. I never heard my gun. Only thing I remember hearing is a buffer spring. I can still hear it going ching, 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 ching. And all I could think was shoot, shoot faster because this hurts. Now I'm taking shrapnel to the face, the eyes. I took a piece of glass to my left eye, blew my left eardrum. I busted my forehead right here on my laptop, gave me a concussion. I'm taking shrapnel all down my left side. I'm hurting. I know I'm getting hit. I don't know how bad it is. All I can think is shoot. So I fired a total of 30 rounds. The bolt locks back on that rifle. I'd never been trained to do malfunctions or reloads under extreme pressure or fire in a vehicle. So guess what tool's not in the toolbox? I couldn't reload my weapon. I'm laying on top of it. I can't get the magazine in it. I'm still taking incoming rounds. I'm laying on top of my pistol. I can't get it out. I have a boat anchor in my hand that I can't get reloaded. 
and I closed the bolt on the empty chamber. It's the only thing I could think is put it in reverse. And luckily for me, I, uh, the truck was still running Chevy tough, I guess, you know, I put the truck in reverse and I held it to the floor and hoping for the best. Um, you'll see on the video, I, I did some free landscaping for Walmart. <laughs> And uh, some woman backed out and hit me. And that's my story. I'll stick to that. She wasn't even in the car, but she backed out and hit me. Um, mm -hmm. So <laughs> you'll see me unass the truck. I transition in my pistol. I roll out. You'll see me duck. There's a reason why I ducked. Because on either end of the parking lot are incoming officers. And guess what they're doing? They are shooting. Everybody's shooting. 17 shooters fire over 220 rounds in that parking lot. And when I come out of that truck, one fired a shotgun right beside my face. And I was like, oh, my God, you about shot me in the face. And you see me duck. I roll to the back of the truck, take cover. I'm bleeding. It's, I mean, my mouth's bleeding. My eyes are bleeding. I'm, my hands are shredded. They're bleeding. My back's bleeding. I'm trying to figure out where I'm hit. Uh, 30 rounds of 223 in the cab of a truck. I can't hear. Uh, everything's just kind of cloudy. And it was, it was unreal. But... One of the officers come up, they call him ginormous, Nick James. He comes up, he jerks me off the ground. He's screaming at me, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, Jesus, if you put me down, I mean, oh, you are scaring the hell out of me. <laughs> I said, I think I'm hit. He rips my jacket open. He said, no, you're your flesh wound. Let's go. And he starts dragging me. And I was like, hell no, I ain't going back up there. They're shooting real bullets and I don't like it no more. But as we went by, I grabbed my rifle out of my truck, reload, and we go up and make the scene safe. And that's where we we extract them from the vehicles it was uh it's pretty hairy it was 17 seconds of gunfire it's seven eight feet from one another mm -hmm. with high-fired rifles it was pretty close to combat that's what it was yeah but but mike you hit some you hit some fantastic points right so a, a lot of times uh officers don't have that chance to get their mind right you know, right. so for and, and I don't like to use the word the average engagement because there's nothing average about it. Right. But for the most part, it's very reactive. There's no uh, potential indicators. It just happens. Right. Yeah. So I, was I lucky. think it, I, had a, yeah. I had 45 minutes to get right. You know, you know, so you're doing all the right things, getting your mindset, trying to get everything straight. Hey, improving your position, for lack of better terms. Let me get my vest on. Right. Let me get my rifle sling it around my neck, all that stuff. Um, but the part that, you know, here's the thing. You guys had never practiced any type of ramming type moose. No. And, and not you know, even any fish. Now, as a deputy, I might have rammed a few people. Well, rammed or, you know, done a pit or, you know, but, you know, this is where, and I don't know if it was you watching your training films the evening before to go, hey, you know, if that was kind of <laughs> sticking in there, but it brings up a great point, right? And a lot of officers don't think about this. Use that vehicle. As a potential weapon, you're driving a weapon. That's that's it, yeah. right? Now, and we had the conversation we were talking about this beforehand because that was one of the key things I asked. Hey, man, did your airbag go off? Right. And that that big old fish and wildlife bumper on there. Yeah, we had a Warren Wings bumper. It didn't. It didn't fade that. No, but it's one of those considerations. If somebody else is going to think about doing it, hey, you might be uh, you know an airbag in your face, right? Simultaneous, um, you know. Another huge point, hey, man, whatever platform we're running, in that case, the rifle, we've got to know this thing inside and out, right? Mm -hmm. Know how to sit there, and, and and I got it. In that case, you couldn't get to your pistol. It, it didn't make sense to do a transition. 
no, you couldn't really reload it because you didn't have the the uh, the skill set to do it. But you bring up another great point, right? Hey, man, make space. So again, your vehicle using that as a tool to increase distance to add your survivability. And I'm not sure. Would you probably get like 40, 40 ish yards back? Maybe it's smaller than that. It's probably okay. 30 maybe yards. Okay. Because I think you get like a row or two. Do you yeah, get a full maybe. row? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, he's at one row and I get one row there. So there's two car lengths, maybe two and a half car lengths back. It, okay. it looks bigger on the film, but when you get mm-hmm. in the parking lot and you look at it, you're like, holy crap. Yeah, it's still pretty close. Yeah. yeah it's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. I was just trying to get off the X. <laughs> I mean, right. right. But, yeah. but you're bringing up a, a great point, right? So you, you go offensive to start. Right. You conduct the engagement, have some dramas, but then you got the presence of mind to sit there and go, Hey man, let me back this thing out. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge part that officers aren't thinking about. If you're still in that vehicle, that vehicle gives you options. Right. And I think that day you used your vehicle to the max capacity, offensive, defensive, right? And, and it's one of those takeaways where guys need to be understanding. Cause one question I always ask them, Hey man, have you actually practiced driving in reverse laying down as best as you can because god knows what you have there radios computers you know whatever and and i got it we just kind of did some blind faith stick it in reverse going back you know help out walmart with their uh their landscaping and i'd love to tell you i knew where i was going but i didn't give a damn (laughs) (laughs) you knew you didn't want to be there anymore but but at that point it didn't matter right but Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know if your truck had a reverse camera or not, but this day and age, uh, enough patrol vehicles have reverse cameras. Are we actually training to drive in reverse in an awkward position, right. you know, using that camera? Probably so, not. You can't tear vehicles up. You know, that's what administration don't tear up that vehicle. Yeah. Okay. I go out to the biggest openest field with, or, or parking lot with no light poles, whatever, right. and say, Hey man, let me go in reverse three seconds. Yeah. Right. And have somebody there monitoring going, Stop, stop, stop. Hit the brakes. Hey, man, if you're going to have a catastrophic crash with your car, but practice something. We can do something to add to our survivability so that it's not the first day, you know, time we're rehearsing day of. Yeah, I was always a redneck kid. And, you know, we had old junk cars and we went out in the fields and played and did dumb shit. You know, when mm-hmm. it really come into play for me on May 20th that I was able to get off the X, get back, angle the truck. You know, be able to exit, put the truck in between me and the gunfire that was still coming and the friendly fire that was coming. I was taking incoming yeah. friendly fire, you know, and yeah. I remember laying behind my truck thinking, I know they're dead, but they're still shooting. Why Why mm-hmm. are people still shooting? I'm going to get killed by friendly fire back here. You know, it was it was, yeah. it was that bad. But yeah. yeah, but but I think at the end of the day, Mike, here's here's the deal, right? Huge lessons learned from that day. Right. And I will tell you so much that, you know, I got back from teaching up in Michigan. I used you as an example, right, to try to teach fellow law enforcement officers out there going, hey, man, check it out. If you don't know Mike Neal's story, go check it out. Yeah. But trying to drive the point home of, you know, this vehicle gives you options. And too many times when we're doing vehicle stuff, there's too much smoke and mirrors, in my opinion, out there of range theatrics doing stuff. Hey man, this vehicle gives you options. You proved it forward, reverse, all that stuff. Um, let me ask you a question. Would you, would you have felt any different, any better that day 
if you had had some armor in the truck. And I know at, at the current place where you hit, you know, your windshield was primarily taking everything. But when we look at kind of some of your other, um, you know, shootings you had going on, if that driver's side door and window were armored up, you know, that would have helped, uh, you know, and that you have to change your training and your mindset when you do have that armor in place of how you're going to stop that threat at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be it's solely going to fall back to your training on how you're setting everything up, how you're setting your vehicle up, how you position it, everything uh, for that day, May 20th. You know, if you do that 100 times, 99, you're probably not going to come back. I was extremely lucky and fortunate to get through that. And it worked that day. Um, I wouldn't change anything about it. Now, if I have the opportunity now to have the the armor that, that like true armor, clear armor has 100% train it, learn it, figure out how you're going to do it. Now you're going to have to get out, use your, your door and the A post, keeping the windshield and everything in between you and the threat as protection with your door. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all boils down to training and, and practicing it and, being ready for that incident yeah what about the um go ahead mark i'm sorry some of the points that i'm really taking away from it is um and we talk about this a lot rick you know um keeping keeping your mind moving thinking how can i improve things don't ditch that vehicle till you absolutely have to like you said stay as long as you can absolutely yep and there's a lot of departments out there oh that's a bullet magnet you got to get away from it hey bro you know, this gives me a whole lot more options. It gives me a whole lot more options most of the time. Now, situation obviously dictates, but that's a big takeaway. And now I'm sure that training, um, like you said, with the uh, with all the, the new technology and the clear armor neck, you have to change your the way you're thinking, and you have to train with that as well. Yeah. Elaborate on that a little bit, Mike. Oh, on which part of the, the – more. The, the the training piece for the clear armor and you know what side it's on and and how you change your training around that and what's your mindset well like using my situation i would not be able to return fire through the windshield now you can use the vehicle as a ramming battering ram or whatever and be more protected or getting an officer down you can roll up put the vehicle in between you and the threat but you're you're really going to have to start using the armor of the vehicle at that point cuz right now the cars are they're nothing but beer cans. I mean, they, they don't stop anything. And it's retraining that mindset that, okay, I can stand behind this door. This is going to stop that threat. Uh, and moving your tactics to keep that door in between you now or that windshield placed in the right positions. It's really going to boil down to you practicing it and, and putting in the time and work effort is what it's going to be. Sorry about yeah, that, Rick. Go ahead, buddy. No, no, you're good. And I, I think with that, Mike, you know, that the key part's going to be, and again, I, I hate to even say this, but at the end of the day, it boils down to dollars and cents, it right? Um, would it be nice, you know, to have some type of ballistic protection on that front windshield? Yeah, it would. And, and again, I don't know the price points and stuff like that. This is just me thinking out loud, right? If I could at least have the driver's side door and the driver's side glass, if I at least know that's hardened, you know, does it give you, you know, I'm personally not a super fan of shooting out of the front windshield, depending on distance to the target, because again, it just adds a radicy to your, you know, your projectiles and where they're going. Um, it, again, everything's situational dependent, right? right? Seven feet, we're going to rip it and we're yeah. going to do, 
we're going to do what we got to do. But if I can sit there and crack that door and get some clear space between that muzzle and that threat, I know exactly where my bullets are going to go. Absolutely. Barring my, yep. You know, barring my marksmanship is there, they're, they're going to fly where I want. Absolutely. And then to me, it would just be nice to know, hey, when I kick that door, I've got a little more added protection out there versus glass and aluminum to try to stop something coming back at me. Yeah, so I would I love both, both front doors armored for me. You know, sure. whether you're sitting at a red light and somebody rolls up beside you, you know, I don't go door to door to red light. I don't want anybody right there looking mm -hmm. at me through my window. I, I'll scoot up or I'll stop back, whatever I got to do yep. to keep them from looking directly on me. But that would be nice to have that level of protection, knowing eh, you can't hit me. You know, yeah. I, I would love that. Um, sure. Even if the windshield's not protected, that, that's fine. I mean, I can get around that, like you're saying, kick the door open. Uh, shooting between the A post and the door or whatever you got to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but it all boils down to training. If you don't train it, if you don't think it, if your mind's not ready, if your mind's not right, you haven't thought about it, it's not going to happen. You know, mm -hmm. your your body will not go where your brain hasn't been. It's, it's no. just not going to work. So you have to have it, you know, not only physically prepared, but mentally too. And being ready for that encounter. Yeah. And, and I think you hit a, a huge point, right? And, and this should be a driving factor. And again, for all my LEOs listening, please, guys, listen. Uh, Mike's hitting the key point, and we harp it over and over again. You've got to get out and train, right? You've got to put the time in. And, and here's the thing. You can practice this stuff dry. You don't always need the live fire range, right? You just need to be, oh, hey, man, can I actually open the door? Can I shoot through the V or, or if you want to say door and, and a pillar, whatever verbiage you want to use, I don't care. Sure. Or, but are you practicing this stuff? Can you even draw your pistol out while seated yeah. in the car? Right. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I've had some officers where Safari Land's got that little additional Ooh. plastic retention thing mm -hmm. that goes in front of the hood that guys haven't been able to roll their hood because they've been sitting on that thing for God knows how long. Right. Well, that, that just tells me you haven't been putting any time in drawing your pistol out, doing some dry fire training. That's exactly right. You'll either so, rise and fall to your training. I'm telling you, I've seen yeah, me do yeah. it. <laughs> it's not fun. So I failed. Now, I don't ever want to do but, that again. It, I, I wouldn't say you failed, right? Because let's be an honest broker. You stopped the threat for what was going on. Right. Okay. There was just, hey, man, a lesson learned. A key point is I've got to sit there and train across the board. Right. You know, we've never trained speed, you know, magazine change with a rifle. I guarantee you're doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can now. I assure yeah. you that. Yeah. Lessons learned. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you knew you had to shut that down with them. I I, I knew you figured that the the two officers in the, the car that tried to stop him initially were probably not doing so great. But yeah, I was trying know. to take some of the heat off them. You know, and absolutely. I knew, I knew I, that I, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I got to shut this down now. Yeah. I, I got it. They were going to kill them. I knew they were going to kill yeah. them. And if I knew if I could roll up and put some heat on them, uh, mm -hmm. take the fight to them, they weren't expecting that. They weren't ready for us to come charging in. Uh, you know, I figured they probably thought we were going to surround and drown, you know, put a perimeter, whatever. No, the hell with that. Let's go yeah. in there and let's stop that threat at all costs. You know, I've, I've been through alert training, I've been through active shooter training. I knew taking the fight to them is the best route that, you know, the best cover down range is lead. If mm -hmm. you're putting lead on them, they're not accurately shooting back at you. I'll assure you of that. 
Yeah. I put I put more than lead. I put some steel and some Chevy power and a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. What I, so. but, I tell you uh, what, I bet you people were looking at the fish and wildlife folks a little bit different after that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, gangster, <laughs> man. Arkansas, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but think about it, Mike. I mean, you guys, especially when and I say you guys as far as the fish and wildlife goes, oh. you guys are dealing. 99% of everyone you have encounters with are armed. They're, oh, yeah. They have right. some sort of killing device. Most of them are snipers yeah. and trees. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. it is a dangerous <laughs> job. You have yeah. to be ready. But, you know, 99% of those people are good, honest people out recreational hunting. You And you mm -hmm. run yeah. into that one little half quarter percent or whatever mm -hmm. of the people that you have to deal with. And that's what you got to be ready for. And that's, you know, that's any cop. That's most sure. of the time everybody you deal with or cooperative and law-abiding citizens but when you're hunting evil you will find evil i promise mm -hmm, you yeah. and if you're not hunting the evil the evil's gonna find you so you might as well be hunting it that's yeah. what i tell people all the time hunt that evil find it you know yeah if not it's gonna find you when you're not ready so you mm -hmm. better be ready for it whether you're in walmart kroger whatever strolling through the park you better be ready for your time so yeah yeah so real quick, Mike, the uh, the other incidences you had around the vehicle, any any other high points to bring out from those situations? Uh, situational awareness, 100 percent, because, uh, you know, you're you're attached to every one of those bullets. Every one of those bullets you send down range has a check written behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the incidences I was involved in, uh, trooper was run over uh, in a pursuit. He was trying to run over the trooper and the game warden come out one of my buddies uh and stepped in front of me where i was stepping up to take a shot and that was almost catastrophic so i mean you have to be aware of your surroundings especially at night you know we were in a black field you couldn't see anything mm -hmm. uh, so you <laughs> you got to be aware of everything in your peripheral you know you gotta you gotta keep that tunnel vision from locking in you you really gotta stay stay out here you know don't 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 let it come down into this whether you're in a school shooting or parking lot shooting or in your car you you've got to make sure that the tunnel vision doesn't take over you because you've got to see everything everything around you mm -hmm. yeah and then um just expound a little bit too so now you've kind of taken all that experience huge experience right and you've got it rolled in to your uh to your training company I do. Yeah. Yeah, man. We, uh, you know, we do every, every kind of training you can imagine, whether it's SWAT, whether it's active shooter, whether it's counter ambush, whatever, you know, we roll it all in. Uh, we do our main bread and butter. We'll do a one day of seminars where we have guys that come in and tell their stories. We do PTSD training also where we have the guys that have been through the thick of it and had to, you know, put people down and we talk about life afterwards. Uh, you know, how to cope with things and how to deal with the new normal. And then we take them out on the range for two days and we, we do a, we, we do a crawl, walk, run. And then we, we, we build the class to the speed of, of the attendance. You know, if, if they're moving good and they can handle it, then we put it on, them. you know, by the, by the second or third day, whatever we do on the range, We'll have them engage in multiple targets that are uh, pivotal targets from Triumph, you know, where it's threat or no threat. Mm -hmm. And they may have five targets that they're having to watch while they're doing a traffic stop or 
inside their vehicle or we do pursuits mock pursuits where they're trying to talk on the radio and then shots are fired we have firecrackers going off in their car <laughs> we have guys that come out and they can't even talk when they're done yeah. <laughs> they just stand there to look at you kind of in a daze and you know mm-hmm. we want them to learn that they can overcome it you know on the range so when it happens in real life they're like i got this i can do this you know yeah. i can fight through this malfunction uh, we have buddy drills where they load each other's mags with bad bullets in them. And then they're in a mock pursuit and firecrackers are blowing up in their face and their guns jamming and they're freaking out, you know, but they, they had to fight through it and, and yeah. the fight. So there's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> we also, What's the name of that company again, Mike? That's NNF training solutions. Uh, okay. So we'll put the link in the, uh, the, the bio in the description. NNFtraining.org. You can go to YouTube, watch a lot of our videos. We have, uh, we do a conference. We have a couple coming up. We have one in Ardmore, Oklahoma, coming up the end of June. I believe it's uh, the 25th. I had to look at my calendar. I can do that. Um, and we have speakers for three days that come in. Uh, we have Randy Couture supposed to be there if he's not filming. Oh, nice. Up in the hair on that. He'll be the uh, motivational speaker. And then we'll roll into the seat temple uh, where Brian Murphy was shot, was it, 16 times in the seat temple in uh, Milwaukee. We'll have mm-hmm. Dallas. They will be there. Aurora, uh, Colorado Theater shooting, Pulse mm-hmm. Nightclub, uh, Platte Canyon and Columbine. They'll be there. Um, San Bernardino, the terrorist that blew up the Christmas party. Uh, Nick, mm-hmm. he'll be there speaking. He's one of the few people that's killed a terrorist on American soil and shot by a terrorist on American soil. So really good lineup, three days of training. Um, I can get you those dates. We're also looking at setting up. It'll be in November, uh, around November 12th through the 16th ish in Juliet, Illinois. So there, there'll be another same conference will be up there. The dates are the 25th through the 28th in Ardmore. You can get on our website and find that. And we're still locking everything down for Juliet, Illinois. We'll have that up here pretty soon. Nice. Yes, Man. A good time. Sounds like you're yeah. crushing it, Sheriff. Sounds yeah, like we're trying. Crushing. I'm burning that yeah. candle at both ends. That's what it's, that's yeah. what so. helping, a lot of, helping a lot of people, though, man. That's what we helping want. You know, and yeah. There's a, there's a whole life class here. It goes about four hours, this thing does. And I... I break it down from day one of starting in law enforcement or wanting to be in law enforcement all the way up to nine years as sheriff and pulling my hair out uh, and then just show how doors open and close and how to deal with things and how, how life uh, can put you through the ringer, but it can also be great if you let it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing, Mike, you know, just to add, you know, obviously you're a spiritual guy. I'm a spiritual guy. It's, when you're talking to people, you know, from the PTS side, I like to, you know, I'm not a huge Bible quoter, but Romans 13, four, um, you know, if you kind of tell guys that for, if you do evil, be afraid, God sends his agent wrath to bear the sword, but not in vain. If they're spiritual, you know, and they're struggling with stuff and, and I've had people knock on my door, you know, trying to witness to me. And this one lady was like, Oh, I don't know what we're doing in Iraq. And, I just like gotten back from a trip and I was like, I don't know what you're speaking about lady. Well, that's yeah. not what God wants. You know? And I go, you know, what Romans 13, four says, she's like, Nope. And I, <laughs> I, I tell that. And then she looks at me and goes, are you an agent of God? And I said, 
of course I am. Aren't you? And she yeah. turned around and walked off. And yeah, I'm some, like, are, some are secret agents, you know, they don't even go to church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know what she's peddling, right. but, but I, I think to me, if, you know, for a lot of guys, if they're, uh, if they're a faith, you know, that's huge to understand. And, and you brought it up. Great. Right. Hey man, you're pulling the gas station. Guy kind of gives you that little slap. Hey man, pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. Wake up stupid. Yeah. Um, and I think guys, you know, I think that will help guys with a lot of their struggles. Just kind of my opinion, if that's where they're at. Um, just food for thought. That's all. Absolutely. I yeah. love it a hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. And in some kind of faith based something. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Well, Sheriff, we know you're busy. Yes, sir. We really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, telling your story and talking about your companies and stuff. And man, just keep it up. If you need anything, if you need a podcast to come to any of those events, Hey, you're more than welcome. Going micro, yeah, just hey, let us know. Love that. I, that would be a, that man. That'd be awesome. Maybe we can get that figured out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Ardmore's coming up pretty quick. Maybe Juliet or something. We can get that fixed up. Y'all can be there, and that'd be great. You'd have some some great speakers that are going to be there. Yeah, yeah. We definitely yeah. figure it out. Yes, sir. Yeah. Good right. Don't go anywhere, Sheriff. We're going to close this up, and we'll be right back to you. But yes, really sir. appreciate it. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. Tell you what, Rick. Good job on bringing uh, bringing the sheriff on. Great, great story. Great, still still getting after it, helping out a lot of LEOs. Man, just love it. Yeah, and, and biggest thing, guys, if you're a law enforcement officer or no one, share this episode with them. I mean, yeah, there are so many takeaways in there that can potentially save your life. And Sheriff Neal, he is spot on. Uh, in my opinion, he is the example of what all law enforcement officers should be in this country. So take a look at what he's doing. Uh, fantastic. If you guys are up around Washington, D.C., ever go by the National Law Enforcement Museum, you want to see that old Chevy pick-em-up truck? It is there, man. Uh, as the condition as it was there, uh, 2010. So definitely check that out. But uh, absolutely great having him on and, and sharing the story. Yeah. Yeah, tough, tough story. But um, thank goodness Mike was there. Thank yeah. Good he, thank goodness he was there. And uh, man, yeah, what a great story. So, yeah, yeah. buddy. Hey, you know, it, same with us with, uh, you know, along with Mike's company and, and all his uh, uh, partners, you know, the Project Officer Survival is up and running. So go to uh, the protectorsfoundation.org and mm-hmm. contribute to that. Help get these off uh, law enforcement officers some free training. And we got yeah. all kinds of training coming up. So go to the websites, you know, check them out. Check out our industry partners as well as our calendars. And you know what? The crew. You can always join the crew. You get two free weeks. Yeah, two man. Two free weeks of the all-access package. Yeah. Better than sun, so. uh, the Sunday NFL ticket. 100%. All day long. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Rick. All right. Thanks for having you. Uh, let's having the sheriff on, and I really appreciate you know, him liming him up. But, uh, man, uh, let's do it again real soon, buddy. It's been a while you know since it, buddy. You've, you've been doing a lot of traveling. Hey, man. We've been busy, but that's all right, because we're being yeah. 1% better every single day. You guys train hard, stay safe, and we'll see you on the range.